welcome to the podcast Fedscap, the Gower Prepper, the regular podcast where we discuss all areas of practical preparedness, self-reliance, emergency disaster planning, homesteading and handy tips for any domestic preparedness. Well, I hope you're all managing to cope with this recent terrible stormy weather everyone's been experiencing, especially here in the UK and in all parts of the world, to be honest. It's the worst I've seen for some time. Uh, In fact, it's the worst I've seen altogether. We've had constant downpours for weeks in the UK. And last night, we had everything thrown at us, the heavy rain, thunder and lightning and hail. And, And most of that wasn't forecast. So it is on that point that I want to discuss flooding preparedness. Bearing in mind what I'm going to talk about is all listed on our uh, Safe Survival website, ambalak.com, uh, ambalakuk.com, Safe Survival, and of course on our SOS Gower Preparedness Facebook uh, page. In our last podcast, we interviewed our guest Andrew Price of Dryer Bushcraft, who was the originator and chief instructor of um, dry bushcraft here on the Gower Peninsula in its corner, southwest Wales. Well, we had a very useful discussion on the use of paraffin heaters and the experiences I had during the UK major power blackouts of 72-73, where we ran out of many materials such as candles and we had to get them from abroad. So I just hope you're all prepared for the forthcoming, what we may see some blackouts uh, this winter. Bearing in mind the the constant downpours we're experiencing, uh, flood preparedness, how to minimise the risk and damage uh, from flooding uh, to your home and your family. While all disasters, be they natural or man-made, bring with them their own unique issues and problems to deal with, there's one general constant, no matter what the emergency, and that is your family or family group and contingency plan and emergency kit. So before we discuss today's podcast theme, as a, and again as a reminder, all subject areas discussed on the podcast are listed on our website. You can find the link, as I mentioned earlier, on the podcast details and on our Facebook page. As I mentioned earlier, we've witnessed some major flooding around the globe with some serious consequences, such as many deaths, destruction of crops, diseases such as dung fever and nephrosis caused by a disease caused by rodents such as rats. One major aspect to consider is that during the initial phase of any disaster, authorities and their resilience agencies will be very busy preparing and planning, and it may be some time before they organise sufficiently to come and help citizens affected by the disaster sufficiently. It is therefore vital that you and your family are prepared for any situation, and I recommend Initially, you have enough water and supplies for seven to ten days. A good case in point was the flooding experience throughout the UK in 2007, especially the county of Gloucestershire, where more than double the June average rainfall was experienced 
and where rescue effects, uh, efforts instigated were the biggest in peacetime Britain. And in Gloucestershire, rain continued throughout until July. The Gloucester Fire and Rescue Services attended 1,800 calls in 48 hours. Many areas were completely cut off with no road access, and one main town was under three foot of water. By the July the 3rd, 50,000 homes in Gloucestershire were left without power, and by the following day, 420,000 people were without drinking water, and it was 14 days before some supplies were actually restored. It was the military who brought in drinking browsers in tanks and mobilised 3 million bottles of drinking water, and 16 days later, tap, drinkable tap water was restored. So as you can observe from that one example alone, it is vital for you to be prepared. Now, flooding not only brings the terrible physical damage to property, but the health and hygiene issues also, such as contaminated waters and untreated sewage, mould, a serious health risk. It could also be noted that any disaster results in psychological trauma too, which carries on post disaster for some time, such as stress and anxiety, especially when experiencing major damage to homes and personal property. I mentioned earlier the importance of compiling a family plan and emergency kit. Both are important for any disasters. So what should we include in the plan? The whole complete list of, plan of the plan and the kit is on our website. I'll just run through some major vital points that we should include in our plan and the list. The first point in formulating any emergency plan is to gather the family or, or the group together who's involved and discuss why you need to prepare for a disaster. Explain the dangers involved, such as fire and health risks. Share responsibilities, such as who is doing what, and the responsibilities, responsibilities involved in that. Keep it basic, simple. Keep the details short so everyone remembers what to do. Two locations to meet in case of emergency, in case you're separated. First location should be known, and if that's not available, go for the second option. Develop an emergency communication plan in the event of any family group is separated perhaps the children at school and the parents at work. So choose a location where you are familiar with. These days, most people have mobile phones. Ensure they're regularly charged, by the way. Ensure you have your extended family and friends numbers listed clearly on the phone contacts. You may want to put up a section emergency contacts so they can all be contacted. Discuss what to do and where to go in the event the local authorities ask you to evacuate your home, either to a friend or relative outside the affected area. Importantly, familiarise yourself with any escape route, depending on the type of disaster you may have to evacuate your home. Plan alternate escape routes in case that one is blocked or even closed. The good case in point here is the fiasco of Hurricane Katrina, where thousands tried to leave their homes and were blocked out of the area 
on the external out highway, and yet the inbound highway was clear. I think authorities should have used some of these inbound aids for outgoing traffic. This may have alleviated a lot of problems, or many problems. Another important point to bear in mind is have you made provision for your family pets and elderly neighbours and family? Have you made plans where to take your pet in case you're directed to a public shelter? As often these public shelters in an emergency do not allow pets unless they're service animals, such as the visually impaired blind or deaf dogs. Check you have all emergency contact numbers to hand, such as local fire and police gas electric suppliers. And make sure your housing insurance is up to date, easily done, forgettable, so ensure that you have up-to-date insurance and it covers you for such an event. Conduct a house hazard hunt. Look for electrical, chemical and fire hazards. Ensure you have torches and important flashlights in important locations in case of blackout, especially at the top of any stairways or stairwells. We don't want anyone falling down the stairs in the dark as the last thing you need is another emergency on top of an emergency. Having sorted out your emergency plan, let's discuss briefly the contents of an emergency kit. Again, this is all listed fully on our website. I'll just mention a few of the vital elements of, of a kit, such as personal toiletries, toilet paper, soap, medications that you take regular, make sure you have those that you require, flashlights, spare batteries, candles and matches, of course, weatherproof, waterproof and weatherproof clothing, and a good pair of boots in case you have to go outside, and a pocket knife, drinking water, and spare cash, personal documents, such as IDs and passports, and some spare socks and underclothes, you never know. And make sure your mobile phone is charged, and if you have one, have a chargeable power bank, which is charged up itself. Take some dried fruit and tins of food for a quick emergency, and don't forget the little tin opener. It's also a good idea to keep a handy mobile first aid kit, which includes such items as plasters, antiseptic cream or spray, burn gel dressings and bandage and scissors. You may also find it useful to organise a vehicle emergency kit to keep in a vehicle for emergencies. The following items should be included a space blanket, torch, basic set of tools, duct tape, duct tape, pull rope, bumper cable in case your battery goes flat, and energy bars and some drinkable water. And of course, during winter, you may want to add to this, especially if you're travelling a little bit further than you would normally, newspapers for insulation, an old sleeping bag, coat, gloves and headgear and socks and boots, just in case you get stuck in a snow drift or traffic uh, jam. When initial flood watch is issued, if you are in an affected area, Move any valuables if you can and furniture if possible to a higher floor. Prepare your vehicle in case you have to evacuate the home. Move pets to safety and alert elderly neighbours. It's also a good idea to have some sandbags or floorboards on standby to block your doorways and air bricks. 
You can also purchase ready-made doorway floodguards, which are about three foot high and wedged between the walls of your door to prevent water entering. Listen to flood alerts on the radio and TV in case you have to evacuate. Shut off the electricity and gas if you have to leave. The important, important point here is to contact your power supplies when you return home before you switch on any of those utilities. Head for higher ground and always wear a good pair of boots in Wellingtons and never wade through flood water without protection on your feet as you don't know what is below the surface. Never attempt to swim in flood water. There's always a risk of fast-flowing waters and floating objects. Be wary of bridges and riverbanks. Uh, these are a strong possibility of collapse of these structures uh, during a flood. And of course, try and avoid flood water altogether as it may be contaminated. After a flood, on returning to your home, be very cautious as there may be damage to the buildings. If the electric and gas supplies have been turned off, it is vital to get professional advice and contact utility authorities, and especially in, when it's the case of gas supply, as there may have been a leak caused by the flooding. And remember, electricity and water are a least combination. And try and clean up before you switch any electrical socket on. We don't want any uh, more emergencies. Contact your insurance company advice and make safe any damage while drying out to prevent mold that's a serious health risk any serious mold is is very bad for you service any damaged cesspits and drains to avoid health and hazards throw out waste material that's been affected by the flood and make sure you wear protective gear while doing so especially gloves Take photographs of the damage caused by the flooding. Show your insurance company the de destruction of your home. I've included a number of useful links also on the website to guide you through any, any type of disaster, not just flooding. And some of these websites give you some idea of the organisation and planning of any such disaster. In the next podcast, We'll start a series of food, water and medication stories for emergencies. And on that point, we'll be interviewing my niece, Helen Atkinson, who has a little small holding in the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire. We'll be asking Helen how she coped in the Gloucester floods of 2007 and how the latest bird flu legislation has affected her poultry husbandry. And we'll also be, as we'll be discussing medication storage, we'll be asking Helen to give her experience of bringing up a younger son who was diagnosed with, diagnosed with diabetes type 1 from the age of 5. Before we leave today, here are our weekly handy tips. I mentioned in the earlier podcast that shaving your old coffee granules make for great fire lighters. And you can also, by compressing the coffee granules in newspaper and into old little tubes like cardboard toilet rolls, also make good fire bricks. Um, the other thing you can also use is a tea bag. Once you've used tea, uh, having had a nice cup of tea, dry out the bags and then push them into a small tube or roll them up into paper. Again, they make useful 
actually um, fire, good firelighters. Some cafes, going back on the coffee side, some cafes actually give away their old recycled coffee, mainly for the using on plants in a garden, but these make excellent fire bricks and firelighters also. Our food tip today is what do you do with any spare vegetables left, left over after your meals, or meat or potatoes, whatever you have left over. I know that many of you know how to make a bubble and squeak, where you mix it all up and fry it up, but you can also make a type of patty or, or fritters or chiapatas with it. They are great uh, meals and uh, the kids and everyone will love them. All you need is one egg, 50 grams of self-raising flour and four tablespoons of sunflower oil or whatever oil you happen to use in the house and a pinch of salt or pepper seasoning. You whisk the egg and flour together in a bowl, add the vegetables and whisk up to make a mix and then season in the uh, pepper or salt, whatever you want to use if, if required. Heat the oil in a pan, in a non-stick pan, preferably. Drop in one or two uh, large spoonfuls of the mix of the batter you've made and spread with the back of the spoon. If you're frying in batches, ensure the fritters do not touch each other. You want individual smaller fritters rather than one large uh, gouging mess. <laughs> Cook over a medium heat for a few minutes on each side or until crispy and golden brown. Serve up and enjoy. We should make at least four or five fritters. So until next time, be safe, be wise, be prepared, survive. Thank you. Tears in my